Welcome everybody to Beer Rock here on the north side of Madison. This is Jay Kokorowski here, part of Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and Bucky's Fifth Podcast becomes once again the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Here with the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, giving you all the latest and greatest for Wisconsin sports, not just the Badgers, but we'll dive into the Milwaukee Bucks and Green Bay Packers tonight uh, before, of course, 8 p.m., Railbird Central goes live, cheeseheadtv.com. But, Scotty, it's good having you here on the north side of Madison and a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A lot to... It's good to be it's good to be had, I guess. But yeah, no, it's uh it's great to come out. I was uh, able to come on out to Madison. I don't get here enough as it is, so here we are. It is, I know. And there's I mean, gosh, lots going on right now towards the end of this year and the 2018 going into 2019. Uh, you know, obviously with Wisconsin Badgers, we'll talk I think maybe next week more about the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, you also have of course Wisconsin Badgers basketball, 8 and 2 right now heading into this week's matchup on Thursday against Savannah State. You have Obviously, there's some Marquette talk with them obviously beating Wisconsin 74-69, a great game. I was there at the Pfizer Forum. Uh, really just a incredible energy that happened there. Uh, but then also the Bucks are among the best teams in the NBA. And then the Green Bay Packers, well, they're the Packers. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the basketball side of it. But free throws were the Achilles heel once again. But I just want to say this about Badger football because I, I you know, don't know what when I'll get to talk about this next week or not, but um, it just, this year continues to feel like 1994 to me, you know. Right after the 93, Ro- 93 team that went to the Rose Bowl yeah. and UCLA. Because they stir a preseason, they were ninth in the in the nation preseason, and Badgers this year were a little higher, third, yeah, fourth, yeah, fourth, right? Fourth, yep, fourth. But, uh, and they they came out and they, they just got smoked by Colorado, and then they just... They, they ended up finishing 7-4-1, and one, but they just couldn't get out of their own way, and they w- ended up winning the Hall of Fame Bowl against Duke, right. which was as anticlimactic of a follow-up from that Rose Bowl season. This is just how this season feels. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in, like, 2000, the 2000 team. You had 98-99 teams going back-to-back Rose Bowl wins. A lot of hype with that team. And then, of course, you had the shoebox scandal suspensions, mm-hmm. which is a little different from this year's team. Obviously, you had Quintus Cephas. But you had a suspension, a, right. a big yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, a big one there. And, uh, you know, with Quintus Cephas. And so I felt like it was almost like that. Or even the 2008 squad that had, like, a Jonathan Casillas, DeAndre Levy, uh, Craig Urbeck, these these big names, uh, a lot of talent on that team. But they were 7-6, and six and, and you know, it took a Cal Poly you remember that Cal Poly game where a division, you know, an FCS team almost came into Camp Randall yeah, oh and God, upended yeah. them. And then yeah. they got trounced by Florida State that season after that 2008 uh, campaign. So, it, yeah, it, it definitely one of those years of disappointment and for a team that was rated so high. Uh, and we'll get into the, some of the symptoms. We'll have someone on from either Zach Kyleprin, Jesse Temple, John Velaz, one of those guys uh, down the road just to talk about what happened with this with the team. Uh, but looking at brighter news, uh, Wisconsin Badgers basketball. Now they they went they fell four spots to number 16 in the AP poll after their overtime loss in Milwaukee to Marquette. But this team is looking solid. It, 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 this team it, you have Ethan Happ playing like an All American outside of those the, you know the 41 percent free throw uh, attempts that he's had. Uh, so far through 10 games. You have Demetric Trice stepping up, coming back from injury, from his foot injury, and still one of the best in the Big Ten in three-point percentage. And then you have like a, a mixed bag, and you guys will see this on Bucky's fifth quarter. We had just had a roundtable talking about who stepped up. There's more depth now. You have Kobe King, Brad Davison, Nate Reavers, Aleem Ford, who's come, come back from injury, 
Khalil Iverson. They're contributors to the squad. It's a lot different makeup than what was you saw last year. Well, there's a couple things at play. First of all, the loss to Marquette isn't a bad loss. Marquette's a better team, even though they weren't ranked. Um, they're a better team than people are going to give them credit for. And I think both of these squads are going to be in a tournament this year. So it, it wasn't a, a bad loss as far as an RPI hit, right? Right. Um, what's different to me this year than last year is, well, they're healthy. Uh, so that that's helpful. I mean, you know, nobody likes to use excuses, uh, uh, the injury as an excuse. But it, it was a fact, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know, they, what was it, like 25% of the time of all the games last year that he had uh, – that guard had his starting five that he wanted yeah. to, together. I mean, so it's hard to win and get any continuity. So they've got that going for them. They've only got two seniors uh, right now that are, you know, that they're going to lose that are important, right? Iverson and Hap. So they've got, you know, they've, they've just got a transfer come in yep, from Ohio Porter. State, yep. who's a, a big body. I mean, he's not Hap, but he's he's depth. He's yeah, absolutely. And then you know, you still hear about some of the guys that they're still courting and. I mean, you know better than me because I'll be honest, I don't know where he's leaning, but every time I turn around, I'm hearing people talking and raving about Jalen Johnson. You're right. Yep. Just transferred it from Sun Prairie, uh, just maybe about 10 minutes away from here, down to Nicolet High School, just north of Milwaukee. And it, you know, he, I mean, right now there are a bunch of schools going after him. If Wisconsin can land him, that's one thing. It's, I, it's not even a bunch, Jake. It's everywhere. Kansas, yeah. it's Kentucky, it's Duke. It's North Carolina. It's UCLA. Right. It's Arizona. So, it, it, out of the 39 schools that he's got letters from, that are so, if they got, I mean, it would be nearly a miracle. But it would be you talk about a coup, right? I mean, right. if you could go in there, even though he's a state kid, and beat out got. So it's more of a pipe dream. But the fact that you know the Badgers are continuing to try to bring in the best in the state, even when they're elite like that. Yeah. I mean. But even if they don't bring him in, there's other guys that... I mean, I, I looked at last year as a blip on the radar screen. Absolutely. You don't go to 20 straight tournaments, and then all of a sudden the pipeline's dried up, right? So I, I thought they'd rebound this year. Anyway, I guess my question for you before we get yeah. into the game is, as I look around the conference, I feel like Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana are better, but not head and shoulders better. Better, right? right, right, and I feel like Purdue and Maryland and Wisconsin are that next level, and then there's Nebraska, who I, I don't know if they're as good as they've looked. I right. mean, I, I, they've looked good. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about them yet. So, out of that, you know, the Badgers at best I think are the number three team in a conference at worst six, which is still going to get them in. You know, I, but I, you've seen more. You had a chance to scout more of these other teams. Where do you think they fall in the pecking order of the Big Ten? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Where you have, I think right now it's Michigan. I think Michigan just the way they're playing right now is the best team in the conference. I think Michigan State's very close there too. Don't get me wrong; they're sitting at eight and two overall. Mm -hmm. I, I think they have an opportunity to really. I mean, those two teams, in my opinion, are kind of the the cream de la creme and then you have like you mentioned those other teams below like you have obviously Romeo Langford in Indiana uh, who who beat Marquette on the you know I think they were at home oh they smoked them. yeah they smoked yeah, yeah uh, early on in the year on the road at you know at home in, in Indiana but this Wisconsin I think is right at that next level where they're going to give uh, I don't know how much they're going to be able to put up with Michigan State's big men but you know you when you have Ethan Happ playing like he is right now you're going to have some chance and 
the defense that Wisconsin plays, I think they'll have an opportunity. I think they're right, like you said, that second tier. But they're going to give some trouble. Now, I think other teams in the conference, you mentioned Nebraska, I think of Minnesota, of course, Maryland with, with just the, their continued like impressions. Even Iowa. Iowa I was going to say Iowa's always Iowa, hanging out. I mean. Yeah, Purdue right now. I mean, right now they're sitting 6-4, and 1-1 four, one and one in the conference. Maybe a rough year for Matt Painter. Not, maybe not rough, but maybe a, just a, a year, a semi-step back. Even though they have Carson Edwards, who could be like with Ethan Happ. One of those players of the year, like yeah, he could be a player of the year. Yeah, yeah. Edwards, definitely. I mean, they they shared co Big Ten Player of the Week honors again this week, and you know Ethan Happ, for that matter, four out of the five weeks he's earned some form of a Player of the Week honor from the conference, either a co Player of the Week or just winning it out or earning it outright. So I mean, this this conference is deep. You saw it in the Gavit games. Uh, in my opinion, when they played against Big East teams, and then you also, you know, against the AC with the ACC tournament, uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I mean, there's there's some good contests going back and forth. I think this, there's going to be a lot with this conference that I mean, you could see a good number of teams make it to the tournament and, and make some noise. I think that's just how the you know uh, big uh, kudos to the just how they're playing so far. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I. I still think that this conference is the number two conference in in basketball, and it's and it, again not head and shoulders. I mean, AC, the ACC probably number one, right? Right. But it's not like they're they're worlds ahead of the Big Ten. Right. Um, I think that um, top to bottom, I think the bottom of the Big Ten is better than the absolute bottom of the ACC. But the ACC just probably has a couple more teams that are approaching what you'd call the elite level, right? Right. Um, and, and I think that's that's been kind of buoyed over the last few years by the fact that Virginia is a legit national champion contender the last four or five years with Bennett there. Right. Because obviously Duke and North Carolina are always that. But, you know, Virginia is a solid number three in that camp. Absolutely. No, so, I mean, that's, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out with just how Wisconsin fares through. I mean, right now they have non-conference play. They have Grant, uh, Savannah State on Thursday here at, uh, here at home. Uh, on my birthday, on the 22nd, they will be at Grambling State. And then after that, they go to they actually go to Western Kentucky, which I think is on the 29th. But I think that's going to be very interesting to see because Western Kentucky is a pretty decent team from what you saw even last year. Wisconsin uh, was, was very narrow win against uh, you know, the Hilltoppers back uh, back last year. So that's going to be something. But they have three more game, non-conference games, and then they're going to head, of course, Minnesota. They'll start up Big Ten play again in early January. So, you know, Wisconsin has a chance to go 11-2 and two heading into Big Ten play, which obviously helps their cause, especially with all their, like, the Kempom standings uh, and just the ranks there. Like, they're getting, uh, they're getting noticed. Well, and they played good teams in non-conference. Part of it was, you know, Playing Virginia in a tournament, right. a, a preseason tournament—not it counted, but you know what I mean by preseason tournament. And you know, North Carolina State and Marquette's better this year, so that helps. Um, so yeah, the, it, strength of schedule is not going to be an issue for them. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I know I was looking at their schedule yesterday. They don't have a break, so it's Big Ten all the way out once they start with Minnesota. Right? right. They don't have one of those weird random games in the middle of. February against the Niners. No, no, it's not like the uh, SEC having an FCS team for football, yeah. uh, the second to last game of the year. Not that, not at all. Um, but no, it's uh, this team. I mean, I'm, I was just looking. Western Kentucky is actually in the Kempom, but ranked 106, which uh, it's about okay. I mean, it's, it's yeah, a, yeah. I mean, it's a top third of the top third, right? Top third team. So, 
uh, and they're playing on the road, which is going to be something that they have to defend. Um, before we go on to some Bucks talk and Packers here at Beer Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here in Madison, uh, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. You know, Scotty, it's uh, first off the Pfizer Forum. Uh, first time I was there. I don't Pretty know if you've cool. been there. I've been there. I, I haven't had a chance to be there as a member of the media, um, so I haven't seen the bowels of the building yet. Because yeah. like, I knew the Bradley Center bowels like the back of my hand, right? And right. it wasn't really much to write home about. But I've been in the bowl. I've been there three times. I was there for um, Raw, okay, a buck, the Bucks home opener, okay, and the Kevin Hart show. Oh wow! So I've been there three times, and it's an amazing building. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, uh, I was only. I didn't able. Wasn't able to really. Go look around. I mean, I was there in the bowels, if you will. Nice area and good. Oh, the concourses are amazing. Like yeah. you need to get there as a fan for something. Like you know, Absolutely. whether it's a Bucks game or whatever, a, a concert because they ha- seem to have concerts every three nights out of the week nowadays. But yeah, it's it's impressive. No, absolutely. And so now the energy there was phenomenal, uh, in my opinion. I think obviously there's a lot of talk. I mean, you know, uh, the USA Today Network for Wisconsin had mentioned it. Uh, they had an article that some of us from Bucky's Fifth Quarter had a chance to talk. Uh, you know, we're in that article just talking about the rivalry. Now, obviously, Wisconsin loses 74-69 in overtime. Uh, we talked about free throws just a little bit ago. But I think that's the main culprit outside of poor shooting from deep uh, in terms of, you know, Demetri Trice was only one of six. But uh, going back to the rivalry itself, I mean, I, I, for, let me know if you, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, I feel like, over the years mm-hmm. on the podcast. I really feel like it's Marquette that really makes it the rivalry. Like Wisconsin, you know, we talked to some of our writers and maybe one out of the seven to eight said that maybe every two hours out of the year, they want to beat Marquette. Or they, they feel like, because most of them are alums that way. But for, for me, I'm, I don't necessarily, being from Milwaukee, I don't, I don't necessarily have that rivalry feel to it. You know, I still think the rivalry is, is deep-rooted in people who are older than us, right? And, Absolutely. And because and, it goes back to a time when Marquette was an independent. They weren't part of a conference, and it was them and Notre Dame and DePaul, and there were many other independents, but those guys always seemed to play each other. And the Badgers were terrible in the 70s, and Marquette was great. And yet Marquette still felt like, in many circles, they were the second-class citizen, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of that started. And, again, those were people, that, again, older than us. They were old when we were babies, right? Right. Um, and that's where it kind of starts because nowadays Marquette's in a conference now. Really, their rivals should be conference teams. Right? Right. Yeah. But they're yeah. also in their fourth conference, fifth conference since they started conference play. They bounced around quite a bit. So, and the Big East evolved. To me, the Big East is a whole different conference than it was when Marquette joined it. Right. Well, so, especially with the, the, the separation of football correct. and not there, too. So, the only real natural geographical rivalry Marquette could have is DePaul, and they've been awful. Right. So had DePaul, I think, been as good in the last 20 years as they were in the 80s, late 70s and early 80s, that would be Marquette's rival. But really, they don't have a geographic rival. So, you know, and then for a while, Notre Dame and and Marquette were back in the same conference, but now Notre Dame's out because that would have made sense, Jesuit University. So they don't have anybody to really be a rival. So then their default rival is, well, it's going to be Wisconsin again. Whereas Wisconsin is worried about Michigan State and Minnesota and their actual conference rivals because that's who you should, be, that's who you should care about. Right. You should want to beat your conference. So I think you're right. That's why I, it's a bigger thing for Marquette than it is for Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's. It, I mean, it showed. I mean, the energy in that in that. And granted, it's a new building too, so you're gonna have a new building. You know, it's a home game early on, and you're gonna have more of that energy because it's that new arena and that feel. But you could just. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was a it was a classic matchup, and it's you know you felt it on both sides and. Uh, both teams had opportunities to win it before the the end of regulation, and I mean, and just real quick before we go to some Bucks talk, uh, really, it, it, to me, it seemed just. I mean, you have the free throws with Wisconsin, ten of twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Brad Davison, you know, misses two. Who came in ninety point five percent as a free throw shooter, one of the best in the nation. He misses though, you know, three of those free throws. He goes zero for three overall. Uh, of course, had that fr- uh, the flagrant one on a questionable move that he made uh hitting i think it was joey hauser mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which looked like a punch to a, the i think what they call it in the wrestling terms the solar plexus area sure uh but no you have that and then uh, you know on top of that the poor shooting from deep you know Dimitri trice came in 60 percent shooter 30 to 50 it was only one to six from three other people had that too where nate reavers was only two to seven and Aleem ford and uh you know others were like that as well, well so so here's the thing and this is what i was trying to get it like I then this is why I put Wisconsin in that second tier of of Big Ten schools and not in the Michigan Michigan State tier because they don't have enough post depth to be able to to bang with the bruisers so they have to knock down their shots when they don't knock down their shots and then they couple that with the fact that they don't hit free throws that's where they could so I, I think on any given day you know, especially if they're hitting and you have a shooter's chance, they could beat the Indianas and Michigans of the world. The flip side of that is when they're not hitting their shots, they could almost lose to a Northwestern. Or right. So that's where they have to be careful because they don't have the ability to go in and out. It's yeah. mostly out with Hap as they're in. Right. right. So if Hap gets in foul trouble, you're in trouble. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's where, you know, some of the, the – the, the lack of completeness comes in again. So I still think they're fine and they're going to get into the tournament, but that's what keeps them, I think, from being in that, that number one, two slot in the conference. Right, no, and I think the big thing with them is, and we talked about it in the round table, if you guys go to Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, you'll see some of us talk about it. I, I pointed that out where someone else needs to step up as a consistent score outside of Trice and half because if something happens to one of them, you need someone. You've seen the, the help from... Guys like, you know, one game it's Aleem Ford. One game it's you have, a, a, you know, Kobe King scoring 14 in a battle for Atlanta's tournament. You have other players stepping up like that, you know, one at a time. Brevin Pritzel here and there. But you don't – you need, I think, someone that's going to solidify. Brad Davidson necessarily hasn't been that scoring threat lately. Uh, so he hasn't stepped up in his sophomore campaign. So right. well, if they get, they get one more consistent score – and you mentioned it, you know, if, if Hap's not hitting on the inside, you know, they have to have someone on the outside. Or if, you know, if they're double timing him on the inside, they need, you know, what, what's made them so impressive early on is that they've been hitting those shots early on for the most part, outside of maybe two games with Virginia and then Marquette. So that's going to be something to watch uh, moving forward, especially there. But um, I was going to say, talking some basketball, should we go to some Bucks? Yeah, talk yeah, about? sure. Yeah, let's talk some Bucks for a couple minutes here. And kind of a segue there, uh, a former Badger almost had the opportunity on Friday night to join the Bucks and Sam Decker. Yeah, oh, yeah. he was at a buck for like 10 minutes. Yeah, pretty much about like an hour. Because yeah. I went to go grab some pizzas at my, for my son's birthday. And next thing you know, like, oh, he's... Uh, so I started writing up a, a little thing about the report saying he's going to go to Milwaukee. And literally an hour, hour later, he got woge bombed twice 
where he's then he got shipped off to Washington, and it was officially announced that he's now with the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Sam. I, the Wizards are turning into a little bit of a dumpster fire too. So. Yeah, that, that, that's rough. Maybe uh, an opportunity to play some minutes, uh, but you know, you also there's a podcast out there by the Washington Wizards. Uh, Former UW alum Zach Rosen, who's like one of their head uh, communication guys, actually did a podcast with Zach. So I recommend you are with that. With that. Yeah, Zach did it with um, Sam. So that's worth checking out there. But, you know, what do you make of the trade for the Bucks? Uh, getting a couple of players in return, but they also give up, you know, goodbye, Matthew Della Vadova, goodbye, John Henson, and a couple of draft picks in 2021. Well, they got, I mean, the second round picks canceled, but they gave up a first round pick. And that, that could be the bigger piece of it. Henson, you know, I mean, in addition to being hurt yeah. and going to miss some time, he's, he's kind of been an enigma, right? Like, he can block shots. He, there's, that's one thing he can do really, really well. He can block shots. Um, other than that, he's been inconsistent offensively. And, um, and Deladova, you know, he, when he was here, when he first came here, he was a guy that Jason Kidd really liked as a guy who could be a bench guy. He, new system. Right. It just didn't really fit. It was kind of a square peg, round hole thing. Um, Smith comes over. We'll see. I mean, you look at his splits, his, his, his um, you know, I, I always like this deck because you look at what his stats are and then you look at his, you know, 48 minutes. Like if, he right. play, if he played 48 minutes, that would mean that he was a, a – an all-star and he'd earn those 40 minutes but right. those are always right. interesting stats but i think he's a good body guy I, I think the concern i have for the bucks you know the roster makeup is you know still worried about what they have for depth in the post which is why they maybe made the move with smith because yeah. henson's going to be out for a while and you probably need that right away and the other thing that's that's you know worries me about it about the roster makeup is when you see what you've seen the last four games out of chris middleton you know, I feel like he's I feel like he's John Selman's Selmansing it, and he hasn't signed the contract yet. Like uh, okay. you probably should have waited to sign that deal before you decided to kind of dog it around. And I'm not accusing him of that. I'm just saying that he's, his energy level is way down, and he's on the cusp. I mean, he wants to be a max player. I don't know that this is a good resume uh, ad by you know playing the way you've played over the course of the last week week plus, right? Um, you know, sat out, had to sit out some minutes. We don't know the full story as to why some of that was. So, I don't know, hopefully he figures out because they need him to. Right, absolutely. Um, I don't think the Bucks are the best team in the East. Um, I think they're a top four team. And where they settle on that, it, it really depends. I think Indiana will eventually fall into, like, the five, six seed. I think Boston will jump up ahead of them. But you, obviously, Toronto, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. Yeah. Those are my four. And... Seeding is going to be fairly important because roster depth-wise, Boston's got the best depth in the conference, but they're sitting as a five seed right now as we sit in the middle of December, so none of that means anything, right? But I think you want to get, if you can somehow grab a two seed and get home games because this is still a team that's inexperienced in, as far as playoff wins go, right? They haven't won a series right, right. yet. I think you want to have game sevens at home in the first round and not on the road like they had to do last year and go to Boston. So it's important for them. So they're going to strive. Like the regular season should mean more to the Bucks than maybe than it will to Boston, right? Because Boston's been there before. They, they, they understand how to win playoff series. The Bucks want to be at home. So they're going to manage the regular season 
to a little bit more importance than maybe Boston. Well, not that Boston doesn't want to win, but you understand. Right, like, absolutely. So I think the Bucks need to get a top two or three seed and make sure that they get at least one, if not two, playoff series at home. That's going to help them go as far as what they have will take them. Philly scares me, although some of the now that they got Butler. Right. Um, Boston, just because of their depth. Those I, Toronto, I, believe it or not, I mean, they have the best record in East. Toronto, for some reason, maybe it's the way the Bucks match up with them. I'm not afraid of Toronto. It's Philly and Boston. I'm having 80s flashbacks again oh. where the Celtics <laughs> or the Sixers knocked the Bucks out of the playoffs every single year, and the Bucks would figure out a way to beat one only to lose to the other one, right? right. So I'm having those, like, just flashbacks playing in my head. But those are the two teams that I think – are the bigger challenges for the Bucks, and again, maybe Toronto will make me look like a fool and play the Bucks and sweep them. And but I think the Bucks can handle Toronto. It's those other two teams. You want to have them at home. You want a Game Seven at home if you're playing Philly or Boston. Yeah, and right now Milwaukee's sitting 18 and eight, uh, technically kind of tied. I mean, they're two. Both them and Philly are tied for two uh, for this number two spot, even though Milwaukee's got kind of the better per- winning percentage there. Toronto 21 and seven. Uh, a lot left to go, but uh, you like what you see, uh, generally speaking. Yeah, uh, it's hey, it's. I mean, look, it's been slim pickings uh, since 1980. I, I I did this stat once, and it's sad and amazing at the same time. Since 1989, the Bucks have won one uh, playoff series, and it was actually they won two. I'm sorry, but it was the same year, 2001. Right. That's abysmal. So yeah, obviously. A, I like what I'm seeing. B, they have one of the top three players in the league. And C, we really don't have a whole lot to judge it against. No. Because it's been terrible. Right. So the next step for them is to win a playoff series. You yep. know, that's the next you know, glass ceiling they have to break through. And I think they can do that this year. But, again, I really want to see them playing those games at home when, when they matter. Absolutely. Uh, for the last 10 minutes here on uh, the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, i got the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, Jay Kokorowski here and at Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue here on the north side of Madison. Uh, leading up to the 8 p.m. show of Cheeseheads TV's Railbird Central, of course, Brian Caribou uh, laying down the analysis for your green and gold. But we'll lay a little bit of our own uh, breakdowns, of course. We haven't had a chance to really talk no, about it, but a lot's it, happened. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Mike McCarthy fired. And, and I'll try to contain it because we, we only have about 10 minutes left, but... Um, I, I, I want to ask this question first before we talk about the Bears game and their 4% playoff chance that the, the Packers have and all those other things. I want to know two questions. One, because I keep hearing the narrative that Aaron Rodgers is having a bad season. Now, you can tell me he's been inconsistent and he's missed some throws, and I 100% agree with that. But this bad season of Aaron Rodgers is on pace to throw 30 touchdowns and two interceptions. Yep. That's a bad season <laughs> by Aaron Rodgers, right? right? The other thing that, you know, now that he, it seems that the people who, people have either fallen on the side of McCarthy was to blame or Aaron Rodgers is the devil. That, that's how this <laughs> thing is sorted out since, since the firing now, right? right? All of a sudden, you know, you're either Winston Moss and you believe that it's all about Aaron Rodgers and he's, he's hard to deal with, he's hard to manage. I do want to address one thing, though, and I'm going to go back to the Arizona game. Right. Okay. There's people who really believe that Aaron Rodgers purposely played poorly, again, in air quotes, poorly, you know, with his one interception he's thrown all year, 
to get Mike McCarthy fired. And I asked the question of this person, help me understand how when the Packers are driving, it was when Mason Crosby missed what would have been a game-tying field goal. Right. They're driving. Aaron Rodgers could have thrown a ball to a half-covered receiver, right? Right. And just said, well, I tried my best. We didn't do it. But he rolls out of the pocket, puts his body in harm's way for a coach he's trying to get fired? Mm-hmm. Like, just help me understand that logic. Because if I'm him and I want to get my coach fired, I'm just going to throw a pass in the dirt and say, ah, well, hey, fourth down, we couldn't get it. Sorry. Right. But instead, he gets the first down with his legs, puts them in field goal range to tie, and they miss the field goal. But yet, he got McCarthy fired on purpose. Right. No, I know. It, it, yeah, people, yeah, it, it's... That's, just trying I, to understand. Like, I, I, I'm open. Convince me. But I'm just not... It just doesn't pass the smell test for me. Like, right. So... No, I agree. No, it's... I mean, you can say for, like... You talk about... Just back up real quick to the Rodgers having a bad, a bad season. I think it's more... People subjectively like looking at Aaron Rodgers and what the, the constant level now obviously there's always getting older you're gonna mm-hmm. you know there's chance you're gonna go down in a little bit of quality sure. as a player. and, and, and he's and he's a little banged up in the first half of the season right. look uh, the, I'm, the, he's thrown away a lot more passes as well and, uh, yes know, and he exactly. hasn't checked down as well as he should have I, I, right. I don't disagree with that he hasn't been perfect and and he is a diva but so is every quarterback who gets a max contract you know, we love to talk about how, even with McCarthy, and it was time for McCarthy to go, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But for all the people who are saying, well, we would have just been better off with Sean Payton, Sean Payton has one more playoff win than McCarthy. And then people say, well, but McCarthy had a Hall of Fame quarterback. And so did Sean Payton. Yeah. His name's Drew Brees. So let's keep that in context and as they, well. And didn't they go seven and nine, three straight seasons? Correct. So. Again, it was time for McCarthy to go, but for people who are saying, well, we should have just had Peyton because he's such a, he's way better. Ah. Right. I mean, he's, they're doing great this year, and they had a good season last year, but you're right. Before last year, three straight seven to nine seasons with a Hall of Fame quarterback named Drew Brees. Right. So, yeah. So, but no, it's, um, so I, you know, I think it's a, obviously it was time for McCarthy to go, like you mentioned. It was time, message probably got stale. They needed some cho- sort of change. Joe Philbin comes in. Mm. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's a probably just a, the rest of the four games of the, the regular season. They win against Atlanta uh, pretty convincingly. Uh, yeah, I mean, 30 to 20, 34 to 20. Good and win. And it wasn't and even really that close. Right, I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they had some garbage time after that with Matt Ryan uh, throwing a couple touchdown passes. He had three overall, which, I mean, the stats look great. Except when you realize yeah, that they're, they're great fantasy right, If you had exactly. him fantasy football, thanks for the backdoor you know, yeah, points. Exactly. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, pop-up time points. Yeah, yeah. by all me out. But, it, you know, the team, you know, 300 total yards on offense, gave about 344 to Atlanta. The big pick six that helped them, obviously, in that first part. And, and that's what you got to look at. So people are trying to then connect the dots and say, well, they played better for Philbin than they did for McCarthy. And to me, the most noticeable difference was they were more disciplined as it related to penalties, right? There were less pre-snap penalties. That was a noticeable difference for me. Otherwise, there were a couple of the same issues that popped up when Mike McCarthy was calling plays. Aaron Jones didn't get used much in the first half, which was a big criticism of Mike McCarthy, the way he used Aaron Jones, right? Right. So... There was still that. There were still people questioning the run-pass balance. So some of those things didn't go away. The other thing to remember is aside from David Bakhtiari, their offensive line is average at best. So we talk about how they need linebacker help in, in the offseason, and they do. And we talk about how they need to do some other things at safety, and they do. 
but they need to do a lot on the offensive line to solidify that. With an aging quarterback who's not going to be as mobile as he gets older and you wanting to develop a run game with a dynamic player like Aaron Jones, you're going to have to do some things in the offseason to address offensive line as well as some of the other spots where we think there's holes. Right, and I think, I mean, I would say Corey Lindsay is pretty good. I would say, yeah, as I, I, as, as he's, I say he's, he's above average, he's, but I know what you're saying where like other lines where Brian Bulaga is not who he Bulaga's was. Bulaga not, yeah, he's yeah. not Brian Bulaga that uh, we remember. Yeah, Lane Taylor's good, but mm-hmm. he also just, I mean, you know, he was injured. I mean, he had three players that were, three starting offensive linemen that were out this past weekend. You know, that's why you saw, I think, you know, Jamal Char- uh, Williams, because um, he can block, pass get, block. Can he pass and, block? Yes, He's yes. the best pass blocker out of out of that running back group, probably. But. but to my point, that's probably some of the reason Mike McCarthy didn't play Jones, and as much because Williams right. was the better pass block. So I mean, it's just it's it's interesting, and and I don't want people to think that I'm going back on what I said when I said that Mike McCarthy needed to be let go. I would have been okay with it being at the end of the year, not in the middle of the season. But I'm just saying, it's not all, not everything that's wrong with the Packers was because of Mike McCarthy. Not every deficiency is because of Mike McCarthy. Right. So, it, it, it's, agree that, right? I don't live in a black and white world. There's plenty of shades of gray as you kind of move into this. So, while there was a lot of things that he was responsible for, it wasn't all on him. Right. Absolutely. Now, looking in, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Big game, of course, coming up. Chicago Bears. Not just the rivalry, but they're the NFC North leading Chicago Bears. They're on the road at Soldier Field. Yeah. And it's yeah. not a – and obviously there are reports out there about the Bears' nickelback being out potentially. Okay. Uh, yeah, which – I mean, yeah, which it sounds like he's been playing well. But then again, you know, it, it, it's going to be obviously rough sledding. I mean – I know. I think they're. I think they said they're about five point five and a half point underdogs right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by fourteen or more. It could happen. Look, listen, we talked about the scare and the worry we have on the offensive line, and the Bears are really good at getting the quarterback. And that was before they got Khalil Mack. I thought they had a good dynamic young defense, and then they get him. So they're coming. I, I think it's funny though. That, I mean, sports is funny sometimes. So. All the Hakeem Nix was one of them. There's a lot of players on the Bears who are fired up because of Aaron Rodgers' comments a few weeks ago where he said, we got to run the table and we got to go into Chicago where we've won before. And I'm so glad that here they are on the cusp of being able to clinch the division and they need something to play for. Like they need <laughs> motivation. Right. Like isn't the motivation to clinch your division yeah. this week? Like, great. Bulletin board material. Have at it. It's just foolish. Like, It'd be different if you were like five and seven and you want to like get back at the, the Packers because they said something that you didn't like and they were too sassy with you. And, but right. you're, you're right now dominating this division and you're worried about that comic. Good. Have at it. Have right. fun with that. Yeah, no, it's, it, I think, I mean, they'll, it, it'll be high energy. I think both teams obviously have a lot to play for. If they, I mean, the biggest thing, as like you said, Bears can clinch that division after the Minnesota Vikings lost. Uh, against Seattle last night, mm-hmm. which obviously then they fire their offensive coordinator, who yeah. was actually one of the talks about possibly being a replacement for McCarthy in Green Bay. Which you don't know if it was the if it was Kirk Cousins or if it was the offensive coordinator. Or obviously, there's a little hint of both, in my opinion. There's always a little bit of truth in everything when it comes to that. But I think Kirk Cousins wasn't playing as well, um, obviously, uh, in this time. And this is a team that many thought could win the division, either them or Green Bay, and now you have Chicago. Well, Minnesota's been, hist- or, sorry, yeah, Kirk Cousins it. has been 
uh, historically bad on the road, and that has manifested itself this season as well, um, including last night. So I'm going to make a weird prediction. I don't, I don't think the Packers are going to win on Sunday. So, I, right. but, but, if two things happen this weekend, I would go to Vegas and bet that the Packers are going to make the playoffs. Because you saw the scenarios. Like, the Eagles have to lose one. Right. Carolina, Minnesota has to lose, lose two. two. Right. If the Packers beat the Bears, and that's the biggest, they're not going to. But right. if they do, I think Minnesota is going to lose two more games. I think right. Miami's going to beat them this week. And if that happens, then the Packers would have a clear path in. And then knowing the Packers, they'd, st- they'd lose by 15 of the Jets. And, <laughs> but, but, so the, to me, the linchpin are the two games in the NFC Central this week, the, the Packers and the Bears, and then Miami going to Minnesota. But if those two things actually fall, the other things will happen. Philly will lose again. Right. Carolina will lose again mm-hmm. if you look at their schedule. Washington will lose again, especially oh, oh, what – I don't know who they're going to trot out at quarterback this week. I, I would have loved to uh, in back in week in the early part of the season when, when the Packers traveled to Washington. I would have loved – I would have loved to see Sanchez being – unfortunately, that's not what they got. But, yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, those, those scenarios are all going to happen. But I just don't think the most important one, which is Packers beating the Bears, I don't think that one does happen. Right. So. Yeah, no, I, th- I think Bears clinched the division. By the way, yeah. I did do some ma- – they could actually make the playoffs mathematically. Oh, if they lose. Even if they lose. But Minnesota would have to lose all three. Well, wouldn't, like, every other team have to lose one more game? Um, like Philly. If they, they'd have to get the – if seven and nine, seven, eight, and one would beat all the seven and nine. I did it. I did it on paper. It's still possible. They will not be eliminated this week if they lose and Minnesota loses. Now, if they lose and Minnesota wins, then they're right. done. But if Minnesota loses and the Packers lose, they still are not out of the race. That's insane. They'll have a 1.3% chance. <laughs> oh, so you're saying there's, there's a, a chance. chance. But there'd still be a chance. Uh, anything else before we uh, take it on, brother? Uh, no, no. I think that uh, that's a lot. Uh, what, as we roll into the new year, I, you know, I'm trying to not like be reactive, but eventually I want to talk about the lack of what's going on at Miller Park, or more specifically in the offices of Miller Park, or at the, you know, GM meetings right now. But eh, we'll let things play out and we'll yeah. figure it out. So. Yeah, no, sounds good. Uh, thank you, everyone, here at Beer Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here in Madison. And uh, again, have another great show. Well, we'll be back here next week for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, Bucky's Fifth Podcast, uh, talking. We'll. It's National Signing Day coming up, early signing period. Oh. We'll have tons of that. I know it's your favorite. Oh. that's your favorite topic. Oh, gosh. That's partly a reason why we do a different podcast I, because I, of this I can't now. contain myself. <laughs> uh, I know you're a big fan of, big fan of recruiting, Which Scotty. hat will they pick up? Yeah, no, well, then, you know, we'll, we'll uh, have some interviews, hopefully, uh, with some of the new ver- uh, verbal commits going to hopefully be the new signees for this class of 2019, a big class. Uh, Really, you know, obviously a lot of expectations, and uh, we'll be talking to a few of them. Actually, right after the show, I'll be talking to Graham Mertz for an article for a big feature that we'll have on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, and, and I'll make this quick, but I just want to explain to people who have never heard my take on this before. I don't. I understand recruiting is important, and as a fan, you want to see who you're getting. Here's why I don't make a big deal on National Signing Day. Take football, for example. Every year, the Badgers have only the seventh best class in the Big Ten, and that every year they overachieve. And they do better than these teams that out-recruited them, which makes me then feel like, well, how important is it really? Or is coaching more important? Or is the program more important? So I guess that's why I don't get as excited because, like I said, every year they're going to be like, 
Well, there were seven teams in the Big Ten that had a better class than the Badgers, yet the Badgers will be competing for a Big Ten title. And right. some of those other teams will be like five and seven, and it won't matter. Right. So. No, no, I know what you're saying. By all, by all means, no. So that'll be something to watch there. Uh, and obviously we'll have a bunch of stuff coming up uh, on the site. Uh, starting on Wednesday with the early signing period, I'll be up early with my just a, pretty much a 24-pack of Diet Pepsi, just chugging it. And whenever a new signee comes up, we'll have their profile up on the site uh, along with a lot of analysis. I mean, I got some features going on with Hayden Rucci, Graham Mertz, hopefully uh, a couple more uh, coming up, and even some fun interactive stuff talking about, like, just kind of going into expectations for a quarterback like Mertz who's kind of the, you know, people are anointing him as, as the, the That's quarterback. That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. That's a lot That's of actually, pressure. That's actually what I'm going to talk to him about. Uh, By the way, I got one to four odds that Alabama has the number one recruiting class in, a, in the nation again this year. <laughs> so... Uh, and you are right, actually. Well, there you uh, go. By all means. But uh, for the Polish Rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski. Thank you guys again. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week here on uh, both Bucky Smith Podcast and the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza.